Welcome to the Curious Hope Podcast, where we wrestle with hard topics and hidden questions. Uh, my name is Pastor JD. I'm here at Blue Mountain Community Church, and today our guest is the main man, the big kahuna, Pastor Jim Snyder. Thanks for being on the podcast, Pastor Jim. <laughs> you bet. The main <laughs> a, man. The yeah, big the great, the, the great right. intro right there. Huh? Uh, yeah. So we're we're uh, bringing Pastor Jim in to talk. We are starting a new series called City on a Hill uh, with a question mark. And so the thinking behind the series is we really want to look at how Christ followers should engage with culture. Uh, so the City on a Hill, the title comes from a, a phrase that was used by John Winthrop, who's this old pastor in the 1600s. And he used this phrase sort of deriving it from Matthew chapter 5, verses 14. Uh, Matthew 5, verses 14 says... You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And so John Winthrop uh, cited uh, this passage uh, when he was preaching a sermon. And this phrase, city on a hill, has sort of been used uh, both by pastors, politicians, by a lot of people uh, throughout the years, sort of talking about separation. You know, is it a city on a hill that's the whole world can look up to? And it's been used to talk about America. Do we all look up to America? It's been used to talk about the church. So when we talk about it, we're thinking us as Christ followers, are we removed from society, from culture, or are we engaged with them? So with that being said, Pastor Jim, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at the church, Blue Mountain Community Church. Been here about nine years, nine and a half years now. Uh, let's see, I'm as the lead pastor, I'm the primary teacher-preacher, um, oversee the staff, um, they do most of the work. I try to help them, equip them in, in whatever way I can. But uh, yeah, and sometimes that means playing ping pong with the kids at Study Spot right now. And sometimes it means, I mean, you just never know what what a day looks like right now because everything's a little upside down. But uh, yeah, um, and I tell stories. You know, that's one of the things that uh, as the pastor teacher you you are kind of the storyteller for the community and, and when you tell the stories it kind of reminds people who they are and what they're about and uh, who we are as a community so yeah that's that's what I do have you heard of the phrase city on a hill before yeah sure I mean you know uh, Jesus talked about how we are the city on the hill um, and and the idea being that there's this glowing light that you look at and and it draws your attention to it, and and I think people are drawn to a city on a hill. Uh, I've also heard it, you know, politically. I think as a kid, I remember. Uh, it seems like that was something that Ronald Reagan talked about. It's a Reagan quote. I think I saw that Reagan said it said it once. Yeah. Yeah, many times. I think actually, it was kind of a recurring theme. Um, yeah, that's cool. So, have with this concept, have you ever had to? Because you're the leader of our church, of Blue Mountain Community Church. Have you ever had to wrestle? Uh, with that, how much the church should engage with culture? Like, do you have you had to wrestle with that whether the church should be fully integrated into culture, fully out, city on a hill, somewhere in between? Have you had to wrestle with that question before? You know, it's a great question. I don't know that I've really wrestled with it a lot. I, I think almost internally, I don't think we can be fully uh, unintegrated. Is, was that the word? Um, disintegrated. <laughs> you know, because if we're not integrated in culture uh, on some level, then we're a, uh, we might as well be a monastery or something that is so disconnected from what's, what's going on. And so you can't be completely 
uh, unintegrated. Uh, although, you know, culture is always changing and shifting and, and there is never the same. Every day there's something new in culture. And so uh, the, the church has to be aware of what, what the culture is, is thinking and doing. And, and we have to uh, be integrated on some level. Absolutely. Do you, is it something that you think about when you preach? So do you think about where culture is at, where the people that might be sitting in the pews are at, you know, when you're uh, writing a message, trying to tell a story? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you, you think about uh, what is going on in people's minds and in their lives. They, they all come into church on a Sunday. Well, actually, when they used to come to church, uh, <laughs> I laugh. It's not funny. Um but people come into the room or the log online and watch it online with all kinds of thoughts in their minds and on their hearts. And uh, sometimes uh, speaking into those those places, well, not sometimes, all the time speaking into those places or using uh, common um, illustration that, that, well, not even an illustration, but using a story that, that they're familiar with, it really helps uh, connect the deeper message that you're trying to get across to them because that's that's where they are um yeah yeah so our i'm going to transition sort of to our main cultural subject or element of culture that we really want to talk about today and i made sure to save the hardest one well not save we're starting off with the hardest one at least i think the hardest one in the series politics uh what is political culture like right now and that can be a short or a long answer. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's up to you. You can just say bad and then ask me to keep talking. But no, what, I mean, what do you think political culture is like right now? I think it's been, uh, leading up to the election, I think it's been pretty toxic. Uh, and, and we've looked at that quite a bit on a Sunday here and there. Uh, it's just been toxic. There's just a lot of, uh, of, a lot of hate speech. Um, there's a lot of uh, really different views of reality of, of you know what is really happening out there and what's going on. So it's been a pretty tough uh, political atmosphere for for everybody. Yeah. Do uh, do you experience that? You said it's been a toxic, tough atmosphere. Uh, do you ever experience that within the church? So we know that people are you know people are coming. We're being in community with having all this happen. You know throughout the week. Does it ever seep into what, you know, happens, what goes on here, um, both on a Sunday or throughout the week here at church? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we have kind of taken a stance of being apolitical as a church. I mean, as an organization, we don't really play politics um, and so what we've done is even one of our uh, even one of our plumb lines talks about how um, we're we're just not about somebody else's pet projects or agendas or that kind of thing because what that does is if if we go there if we really let something uh, impact us in that way um, we're going to run down a rabbit hole and and we're going to lose our you know our, our authority uh to speak into the lives of a lot of people because there's going to be people on the other side that says hey wait a minute you're not representing me well or, or that kind of thing um so it's been pretty pretty toxic but um we don't see a whole lot of it i mean you see a little bit of it in just in the daily stuff but it's it's just not been something that we've welcomed <laughs> uh, you know here yeah so it's not that it's not the kind of stance where 
taking this apolitical stance it's you know being bombarded if anything it's sort of helped helped you help the church almost avoid the toxicity is what it seems like well see the reality is you know our church is made up of it, we reflect the community pretty well in that uh, we have about half of our people lean left and half of our people lean right and um but we come together for a deeper cause for something beyond politics and so um, now, that said, I have to be a little careful because um, there are things that people will view as, as a political uh, issue, but it's really a theological issue. And, and we deal with the theological issues uh, all the time, but we don't deal with the political issues. For example, uh, the other Sunday, um, I, I, I was talking in a message, and I was talking about how... Um, the school board had made a decision about not having school, and, and I had some pretty personal thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but the pulpit was no place to share those thoughts. I mean, that's just the, the, that political issue doesn't belong on that platform. And so I think we do wrestle with, or I know I do wrestle with, you know, how much uh, how how much is appropriate on on the platform or not. And I, I suppose sometimes my political ideas might slip out now and then, but that's part of, you know, it's never an intentional political stance necessarily. I really want to point out uh, what you talked about earlier. You said that our congregation, uh, the people here, it's like 50% left-leaning, 50% right-leaning. In in preparation for the conversation that we had today, uh, that's actually really rare. So according to a 2014 Pew Research study that I saw, uh, and I'm going to try to explain this. It's in like really researchy <laughs> language, but uh, I'm going to read off some statistics about unfavorable views of the other party. So in 1994, 16% of Democrats said that they had like the worst possible view of Republicans and 17% of Republicans said they had the worst possible view uh, of Democrats. Now, fast forward to 2014, 27% uh or no, sorry, 38% of Democrats said that they had the worst possible view of Republicans, and 43% of Republicans said they had the worst possible view of Democrats. So even in just 20 years, this kind of political divisiveness has really started to creep in. Uh, to add to that, and this is what I, what I think makes church so unique in the fact that we can have people of different political leanings gathered together, um, is we're starting to see echo chambers emerge. And what I mean by that is people are starting to only hang out with people that agree with them. Um, people who are uh, consistently conservative, so very far right-leaning, and consistently liberal, very far left-leaning, uh, when they say, who are most of, do most of your friends share your political views? They are much more likely, I have 63% and 49%, uh, and I'm not gonna say which side is which, but both of those are huge, say that almost all of their friends share their political leanings. So it's like the more extreme you get, the more likely you are to only hang out and only be in community with people that agree with you. The people in the middle, mixed, uh, you know, if you have mixed political leanings, it's only at 25%. So that's less than, you know, half. So if you're mixed, you're more likely to hang out with a lot of people. But if you have a strong political leaning, you're more likely to only hang out with people that agree with you and then the previous study, like I just quoted, said more and more people are becoming uh, extreme. And so in this kind of divisive climate, you said from the pulpit, you don't really, you try not to let your 
political views creep in. Is that something that should just be, and this is a hard question, is that something that should just be from the pulpit or is that something that we should carry throughout our daily lives because of how toxic this culture and climate is? <laughs> yeah, hard question. No, I, I, th I think definitely the pulpit. Uh, it, it's it's inappropriate for me to give my political um, spin on the world and on life from the pulpit. Um, and, but like I said, sometimes uh, some some of the issues that that we look at are theological issues, and that's not ever inappropriate. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that personally. The way we approach people around us, we should be respectful of them. Uh, Leslie, my wife, uh, says it's a beautiful thing to be purple. When, when, <laughs> when everybody's red or, or blue, it's a beautiful thing to be purple. Because yeah. when you are purple, you're, you're able to kind of connect with both sides and, and kind of hear and see and feel. It's almost like you're this alien who, who actually understands everybody. And um, yeah, but I think, you know, in a very real way, the church... Uh, it needs to be in touch with the conversation out there, but yeah, to to side on one side or another on political issues, uh, it, it's just out of out of out of line. But at the same time, on a personal level, um, no, I, I think it's it's fine for you as as a individual to um, share your your opinions, your thoughts in a respectful way. <laughs> But that's the, the big key is the respectful way. And, and we, there's just not a lot of respect and there's not a lot of common courtesy and decency. There's, there's, it's pretty toxic. Yeah. And when you say respectful way, it's almost like, um, like you said, it's a beautiful thing. Like Leslie said, it's a beautiful thing to be purple. If you're talking with respect, then that means you can also listen with respect. And so you have a much higher chance of being able to understand someone who's different than you. Yeah. Uh, so would you say that's, if we're going to, as Christ followers, share our political beliefs, we have to still do our best to understand someone who might be different than us? Is that yeah. part of that respect? Yeah, if you don't understand the other side, then you're in an echo chamber. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you, don't, if you don't really hear them, and the, the person who thinks differently than you will be surprised to to think that you actually heard what they said and they will receive your message maybe quite a bit better uh if if you're respectful to them yeah that's a great point because we have so many echo chambers the fact that you can listen is almost a witness and a testimony too um because that's just so rare being able to be respectful i want to turn to scripture so we try to read scripture every single uh, episode of the podcast uh, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 22, verses 17 uh, through 21. Tell us then, uh, what do you, th what you think? So this is, I, I should give some background on this. Um, Jesus is in the temple and the Pharisees, they're trying to trap him because the Pharisees always just had it out for Jesus. So this is uh, the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus uh, on a political question because political questions are tricky. So here we go. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And that's the Pharisees asking the question. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put, me, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. 
Pastor Jim, can you help explain this passage a little bit? Maybe some of the background that's going on or what it's what we can take out of it, what we can take away? Sure. Uh, you, you know, my understanding uh, with, with what's happening here is um, they're trying to trap Jesus, yes, but, but it's really the kind of thing if Jesus, they want him to say, no, you shouldn't pay taxes. I mean, that's, that's what they're hoping that he'll say, and that's what they think he'll say. But um, if he says that, then uh, it's basically a, a trap that could lead to his death because he would be uh, opposing Caesar. And if he opposes Caesar, then they could take that to the powers that be and, and have him executed. And so they want to, to trap him and have him killed. It's not just to trap him and have him step on a political issue. Uh, but he does something brilliant, something incredible. He he, point, he says, take out the coin and whose whose image is on it, and the image is obviously Caesar. Uh, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. So give Caesar the coin that has his image on it. But everybody there, these were good Jews, and they knew that humans are made in the image of God. They they've been taught this every day. I mean, they they know this backward and forward that they themselves are made in the image of God. And so he says. Uh, Give to God what is God, which obviously he's saying, give to God the thing that's made in the image of God, which is your own lives, your own selves, your own souls. And uh, and so it just shut them up. They're like, whoa, okay. Yeah, so I mean, he, he pretty, pretty much dodged that pretty well, but but he circled it back around and, and helped them uh, feel the, the heaviness of that. Another hard question, sort of based on that. Was Jesus political? So in doing this, was Jesus, you know, being political, saying, yeah, we should, you know, pay to Caesar what Caesar's. Was Jesus, was Jesus political? And you can answer that how you want because it's sort of a loaded question. Yeah, I mean, the word political is kind of a funny word. Uh, it means several things. But I think um, Jesus was refusing to be political in that Uh he he was he was thinking long term. He was thinking beyond the Roman, you know, the Roman Empire. He was thinking uh, beyond probably anything we can imagine. He he's he's thinking uh, long term, um, and, and so often we get sucked into you know the politics of the moment and forget that you know this is the long the long game. And and Jesus is is playing the long game. You know this he's thinking eternity. And they aren't, they aren't. I'd say he's not political, yeah. in my opinion. What do you think? Oh, I, I would tend to uh, agree with you. I, I imagine if you were to go up to Jesus and say, is this persecution of what the Romans are doing to the Jews? Because, you know, they were harsh to the Jews. They killed a lot of Jews, you know, when they would get out of line. Uh, I'm sure Jesus would say, no, that's not okay. But like you said, it's bigger. He wouldn't just say, what the Romans are doing is wrong. He would say, killing is wrong. You know, harming your neighbor is wrong. And I, I just think that's such a great way that you put it is that Jesus didn't get caught up in the moment, uh, which is what politics is. It's all about the moment. It's all about the next four years, the next eight years. Yeah. Uh, Jesus had a larger vision. because It's it, the kingdom of God vision, which lasts for eternity almost. Yeah. Not almost. It, <laughs> it lasts for eternity. I don't know why <laughs> I said almost right. there. But yeah, it's Jesus was more concerned about the kingdom of God. So in that sense, he's political, but I, I would tend to agree with you. With that being said, because um, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, you said it's okay for Christ followers um, to have political opinions and to share them, but how involved should Christ followers be? Is there a level of involvement that's too much? Is it 
should we not be involved at all? And maybe that's wrong because you said there's a lot of issues that aren't political. Those are theological. So should Christ followers not be involved at all? Very, very involved, somewhere in the middle. What what would your guidance be for how involved Christ followers should be in politics? Yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I think they should be involved. Um, I think there's a huge difference between Christ followers being involved in in politics and the church being involved in politics. Hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, Christ followers themselves, it depends. Do you care about your, your community? Do you care about uh, your, what happens on your school board or in your city or, or in your government, or, you know, whether it's state or, or national? Or, or I, I absolutely think uh, the people that I want uh, making decisions uh, in the political world, I, I would much rather see people who, uh, who view the world from a Christian perspective. So I would say absolutely. With that being said, should Christians all vote in a certain way? <laughs> or do you think because we can understand different people's points of view, yeah, it's okay to be involved, to vote for who you want, but maybe you might have a different idea of mm -hmm. who's going to be best than I do. Is that possible for that to happen? Well, Christians should always vote like I would vote, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I hate it's the, the end of the podcast right there. We're over. That's, <laughs> that's the answer for everyone that's listening. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I hate the, I hate should questions um, because uh, should questions feel like a trap sometimes. Well, that's, I'm trying to try these. Yeah. This podcast is all about hard questions. So yeah, well, I don't I'm being, like the, people, I'm being right? like the Pharisees. I'm just trying to trap you and everything. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I ask this question because I've heard from both sides of the aisle. Um, when I was in a more liberal place in New Jersey, I've heard, how could you be a Christian and vote for Donald Trump? How could you be a Christian and vote Republican? I heard that a lot. And coming here, where it's purple, but you know, I've experienced a lot more red here, I've heard it also. How could you, you know, be a Christ follower and vote for Biden? How could you be a Christ follower and vote Democrat? Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, it, is it possible for a Christ follower then if they're involved in politics, like you're saying we should be because we care about the community, is it actually possible for us to just flat out disagree and vote differently and still be following Christ? Yeah. I think uh, it's critical that Christ followers vote their convictions. And, um, and those convictions, you know, the, it comes from the, a deeper place, a, a core somewhere somewhere beyond you, you know, you've followed Christ, you've searched the scriptures, you, you find these issues that really um, form who you are. And so Christians uh, should vote a certain way, they should vote their convictions. Uh, I think of my own life, you know, um, my faith inform, informs my vote. And I think some people are able to somehow divorce that and, and vote depending on, you know, all kinds of other ideas or, or whatever, but, but not for me. I mean, I think uh, that our, our convictions are, uh, are what informs our vote. The reality is, uh, whether you're right-leaning or left-leaning, both sides have truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is truth in, in, each, um, in each camp. Now, I'm not saying each camp is totally true, but there's, if we'll listen, we'll hear some truth, and we'll, it'll It'll inform us and it'll help us see see their point rather than uh, just writing them off as well, they're wrong and I'm right. Yeah. Uh, to sort of this is pretty related. You said earlier that we try to take an apolitical stance 
um, as a church. With my very limited knowledge of U.S. history, a lot of politicians speak at churches. Hmm. So you you said earlier too that we as Christ followers can be political, but the church should be apolitical. Um, why do you think that's the case? Should churches never be involved in local politics and local government, or are there certain circumstances where it's okay? And I'm thinking of situations, both right and left-leaning politicians that I can think of have spoken in churches. It's just quite common. Is that okay, or would you say, at least for our community of Christ followers, we don't do that? I would say it depends. You know, what is this person bringing to... um to the church. I mean, are they coming here trying to drum up support for their political agenda, or are they coming here with a message for Christ followers? I mean, I, I think I think you have to kind of look at it that way. So probably, you know, we're probably not prone to inviting politicians to come and share their opinion here at the church. But at the same time, uh, I'm not going to say that no politician will ever speak. I mean, because I think... Uh, Sometimes uh, people of faith have tremendous things to share with people of faith. And, uh, and so I don't think I would totally say you will never speak here yeah. <laughs> or anything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But as long as they're talking about the big picture faith, it's not about their political platform. Yeah, That's yeah. I mean, if you're drum. here to drum up votes, we're not interested. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not interested in mm-hmm. that on any level. We as a church, this is, you know, this is the direction that we're heading it seems to me um, on both sides of the aisle that politics and religion have been going more and more hand in hand. So I remember quite specifically a professor that I had uh, that talked about um, the secularization of Europe. I think that we talked about this on our podcast too a few episodes ago with uh, Nate and Stacy Tapman about how Europe has become increasingly secularized, and a lot of it actually had to do with what happened historically in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, because what happened is the political parties, they would come speak at the churches, tie themselves to the institutional church, so and then they would say, you know, if you're a good Christian, you're going to vote for me. But then what happens is you have the youth, right, age 20 and under, they see politics and religion slowly bleeding together, becoming one behemoth, one thing. And then once those kids grow up, they want nothing to do with institutions, nothing to do with the state, because they can see a lot of problems with the state, with politics. But because it's so entwined with religion, they reject Christianity and religion too. Um, And if you listen to our podcast with Nate and Stacey Tapman a few weeks ago, you know that religion in Europe, uh, it's struggling. Christianity in Europe it is on a massive decline in the same as in the United States. Uh, one statistic I shared on that episode that I'll share now also is according to uh, one of the most recent Pew Research studies, for the first time in the United States, less than 50% of a generation uh, is Christian, and that's the millennial generation. The youngest generation is only 49% Christian, and that's the first time that's ever happened in American history. Mm. So uh, this is a long-winded question. What I'm trying is, I'm talking too long here. You're the guest. Um, Is this marriage of politics and religion, do you think uh, it's going to hurt the world's view of Christ followers? So now I'm sort of flipping it, not how Christ followers should be involved with culture, but do you think what what many of us are doing, it's going to hurt culture's view of Christ followers? Yeah. You know, I can't speak, well... I, I do wonder about Europe, and, and I think, you know, at one time Europe was decidedly Christian, 
and at this point it's pretty secular and and i don't think that that in the end uh it, it was because of political issues i think some of the some of what happened in europe i, I have theories but yeah. um i don't <laughs> think that that's the primary driver for mm. the secularization of of europe uh do i think that the marriage between yeah, I was like, even if even if that hypothesis, you know, is completely wrong. Yeah, is this the marriage of politics and religion? I don't know. Do you see it? Because I'm saying, from a personal view, I see how polit- the marriage of politics and religion in the United States has been ramping up over the last few yeah. years. Um, if you do see, it, would you agree that that's that that's happened? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've seen it over my entire life. I think there's always, at least in my lifetime, it's always been kind of a, a weird and icky marriage uh, <laughs> that, that I struggle with. And that's part of the reason that we strive to be apolitical, because it's just not a, a, a healthy thing. You see, you know, a politician will really try to gain support from a church and, uh, and they'll do various things to, that, that they think the church would love to see. And or they'll, they'll, I don't know, in the end, oftentimes they disappoint you, you know, so, mm-hmm. so the church... Everybody should vote this certain person into office, and then that person gets in office, and then you see who they really are. You see their politics, or they forget all of the promises they made, and and then you feel like you've been duped. Um, And I've seen the church duped over and over. I've been around enough times, or long enough, to see the church duped, and I and I look and I and I'm amazed that that we continue to fall for the same stuff as we've fallen for before. Yeah. So don't don't trust Caesar. Don't trust the politicians. Don't trust the politicians. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I I don't mean it. It's, that. it's good to get someone that has more history, though, because from what I've seen, it's getting worse and worse. But it, it's you know you're older and wiser than I am. It's always <laughs> been the case that you know politics and religion have been um, involved with each other. I don't know. I just I worry about yeah, Christianity I've, in the United States because I've I've heard I've had conversations with young adults who. When they think of Christian, they think of the people that are holding, you know, the God hate sign, mm-hmm. um, just outside of some store or something. That's the first. View. When they think of Christian, they think of political Christianity. That's the first thing they think of. Yeah, uh, and that's just I, I'm I'm concerned. You know, yeah, about but but is that your experience? I mean, when you look, it's not at- mine at all. But from a few. A right. few people that I've talked to. Yeah, that's been that's been kind of the the story that's been told, and and there are um, there are people that carry those signs around yeah. for sure, and, and it's everywhere. But I don't think the vast majority of Christians are probably there. I think we're oh, I don't think Christians are there at all. But the world's perception yeah. of Christians, yeah. it seems to me like it's shifting. Yeah, I, I work to avoid it, but <laughs> okay, but, well, no. <laughs> but. I, I'm going to go ahead and ask you, as, as we wrap up here, Pastor Jim, I'm going to ask you um, one of our last questions here. Do you think it's okay for us, and this is one of the, at least I think it's hard, is it okay for us to use the Bible to justify politically charged stances? To like use the Bible to justify politics? It feels like you've already sort of answered this question with, with how we should have theology behind why we make our political decisions, but what about using the Bible to that extent too? Yeah, so I, I hate that phrase, use the Bible, um, because we can make a biblical argument for a lot of unbiblical things, and, and people do it all the time. We can twist the Bible, we can take it out of context, we can um, create a biblical argument for things that 
Christ would have never supported and, and that God stands against. And yet we, you know, I think of slavery, you know, that, that somehow that was justified in the South biblically. And, and yeah, is slavery in the Bible? Absolutely. Does that mean it's okay? Well, you know, there's no way. Uh, and yet people did. And so um, it's definitely uh, done, but it should never be done. We, ha- we have to be careful with the Bible. So it almost, it almost feels like you're saying don't start with what you want the Bible to say and then go to the Bible, but rather start with studying Scripture, having a deep knowledge of it, and then what is God trying to tell me? What are these you know theological convictions that come out of that? It's almost like the reversal of how we... Yeah, I think it's more intellectually, intellectually honest. I, even if I want the Bible to say something, I can go to the Bible wanting it to, to support my opinion, but if I'm intellectually honest, I have to really dig down and ask, what is it saying? And sometimes it's going to change my mind because I look at it and, and it doesn't support my way of thinking and it doesn't support my, um, my viewpoint. And, and if it doesn't, then I better not be trying to make it sound like it does. You know, I was just, I was just going to ask that. Does, does the Bible always agree with you? Does the Bible always make you happy? Because my experience is the Bible makes me frustrated. Like I want to feel one way. And if I, like you said, if I'm being honest, scripture's saying something else and it's frustrating, but it sounds like that's how it should be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was thinking about the marriage of church and, um, and politics, and and it made me think back to 2008. Do you remember when Rick Warren held a? Uh, uh, it was a the debate, basically a debate. He he took 20 questions to uh, then Senator Barack Obama, and and then he did, took 20 questions to John McCain, and they kind of compared. Anyway, uh, that's you know Rick Warren, this church leader. Who, uh, who took these questions. And it, that was one of those things where, you know, this major evangelical church leader um, thrust himself right into the middle <laughs> of that. And, you know, a lot of people thought, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And, uh, and that's one of those things that, that yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the greatest thing <laughs> I've ever seen. You don't want to moderate a debate between Trump and Biden? That doesn't sound fun? Yeah. I mean, now that you say it, maybe, but... <laughs> Funny. So, I, as we and I had never heard of that. I think I was oh, like really? twelve or thirteen. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty young. Um, but yeah, that sounds. That's interesting. I bet. Yeah, the church probably was uh, all over that. Maybe a few people felt uncomfortable. But yeah. that's that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder what that would be like if that happened today. Anyways, I'll let our listeners think about that. We don't have to <laughs> speculate on what are the two candidates, how they would respond. Are there are there any last takeaways? Uh, that you might have for our listeners as we wrap up any last thoughts uh, on this topic yeah so almost every political issue that is so important to us today uh, isn't so important tomorrow almost all of them Uh, some of them are you know some of them do impact us for decades and generations for sure but but most of the things that we really get riled up about really are not as big of a deal and they're not worth hating your neighbor and they're not worth you know stealing the sign in their yard or uh or calling people stupid in names and whatever i mean it's it's just uh it's unbecoming of christians to behave in in the way sometimes we we can get drawn into 
uh, I, I would say that we have to be careful not to get drawn into the fray, uh, but instead to, to, to take the long view and, uh, and not ruin our witness because we got so wrapped up in the moment. Well, I want to say thank you, Pastor Jim, uh, for being a part of our podcast. I know you have a busy schedule, so I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, thank you to our listeners. Thanks for listening in. Uh, make sure that you share uh, this episode, that you share the podcast, that you follow it. Uh, in next Wednesday, we'll have another episode with Pastor Nate. We'll be talking about money and consumerism, money uh, and consumption, uh, stuff like that. So if you have any questions, uh, any comments, you can go ahead and comment, uh, send us a message on Facebook, send us a message on Instagram, or you can send us an email uh, at thecuriouswhopepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you, Pastor Jim.